kind of came with the territory. In fact, probably a lot of you would probably have read the, the same way. I was about to take a test, and tests made me nervous. I, I don't care how well prepared I was, how ready I was, how much I might have studied or known what the test was over. It didn't make any difference. It didn't make any difference what kind of test it was. I was nervous. Tests make me nervous. So I remember that day in particular. I remember that test, and boy, I was nervous. I I remember that test because that test changed my life. Literally, from that day forward, every day since then, my life has been has been affected because of that test. Now, now that test was different than any other I had ever taken. I, I was ushered into a room by a gentleman, and he had me sit down. He walked over, and he flipped a switch, and when he did so, a, a light appeared on a wall at the far end of the room, and then he took a couple more steps, and he turned off the, the light in the room. Now, my, my hands were beginning to sweat. My palms were sweating. I'm sure my blood pressure was going up. Uh, my tension certainly went up when he turned one light on and another one off. Uh, so the only light in the room was the light shining on that wall. And then he asked the first question of the, tw- the test, and it literally changed my life. This is what he said. I think I've got it word for word. Can you read the bottom line? <laughs> wow. The, the first question, and I've, I've missed it. I, 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 all I saw at the bottom of the of the, the of the lines was just a black blur. And so reluctantly I had to answer no. Well how about the next line? And oh man, I'm 0 for two. I can't see that one either. How how about the one above that? This wasn't looking good because I couldn't read that one uh, either. And then finally he said, Well, what's the first line you can read? And and so I, I proudly said I can see the E and right below that is an F P and hey I see the one below that T O Z but the one below that is that is that an L? Is that an I? The next one's a P, or maybe that's a B. Uh, e? You know, I'm not really sure. C? Uh, maybe that maybe that's a D. He flipped the light on. the The look on his face told told me all I needed to know. Uh, I knew I had failed the test, and he said something to this effect, and it changed my life. If you want to see. If you want to see, you're going to need glasses. Uh, I, I was in eighth grade, so I was at 13, 14 years old at the, the time. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't want to hear as an eighth grader that I needed to wear glasses. Now, I know a lot of you are going to find this hard to believe, but, but as an eighth grader, I was just a, a little bit on the dorky side. Uh, and I know what you're saying. Uh, we figured you were a lot on the dorky side. So, so, so I was a little bit on the dorky side, and I didn't need anything to, to add to that look. Uh, and I certainly didn't need glasses. But, but the reality was, if I wanted to see, I needed glasses. In fact, every day since then, every day since then, if I want to see, uh, except for a couple of years when I wore contacts, I have to put on my glasses. Maybe Maybe a little bit of that is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthews 5, 6, and 7. Uh, we're right in the middle of the series. We have uh, two more sermons to go. 
I know I said four, but we're actually going to do five sermons in this series. So we're right in the, the middle of the, the series, right in the middle of the sermon. And Jesus, uh, Jesus says something that, that would have had them saying, as, and, and certainly as well as us saying, uh, he said, what? I need to see. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting with verse 19. We'll go 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and were uh, destroyed and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. That's kind of where I was talking about the start there. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light Within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When you read this Sermon on the Mount, I, uh, uh, which I encourage you to do, if you've not already done that, I would encourage you over the next couple of weeks to, to just open up Matthew. You can do a chapter a night or half a chapter a night and get it done in a week. Wonderful chapter or chapters. What we've already seen is that Jesus is uh, verse after verse challenging us in some wonderful ways. Uh, but, but if you've read the Sermon on the Mount before, I would assume that you are familiar when, when he said in verse 19, don't store up treasures in heaven, but store up treasures, uh, uh, or not, don't store treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven. I, I bet probably you were familiar with that. You might might not have known where it was, but you knew that was definitely a quote from Jesus. You're, you're probably familiar with verse 24 where he says you can't serve two masters. You're going to be love one, hate the other, or be devoted to one, despise the other. You can't serve God and money. I, I bet you were pretty well familiar with that one as well, realizing that was a quote of Jesus. But I bet those, those verses that are tucked in between, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full uh, uh, will be full of. I, I bet you weren't quite as familiar with that. We're gonna we're gonna spend just a just a couple moments talking about those two verses as as they actually set up the rest of the text, and and we'll spend most of the time on the verses before and and after that. Uh, but don't miss this application. Don't miss what Jesus is saying in verses twenty two and twenty three. Jesus wants us to see his teaching clearly. That, that's really what those two verses are saying. Now, 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 now what's he referring to? Is he, refer, is he referring uh, to, to the verses before, the verses after, the whole sermon? Probably all of those. But Jesus wants us to see clearly. Church, can I be honest with you today? Can I be blunt with you? Some of, some of the teaching that we're going to look at today, well, let me rephrase it. Some of the teaching of Jesus that we're going to look at today, we, we don't want to see. We, we, we probably don't want to, to see it. We sometimes see this type of teaching, what Jesus talks about here. The, the truth is we see it clearly, but we don't want to see it, so we take our glasses off and, and pretend like we didn't really notice it. So let's, let's look at the text. Uh, Accept with me that Jesus, that's what he means there. He wants us to see clearly. Let's look at the text and get a clear idea of what he's wanting us to know. Verses 19 to 21 says, Don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures 
in heaven. So here's the first question. Here's the first thing we want to look at. What defines a treasure? So he's talking about not storing them up here uh, on, on earth. So what defines a treasure? When Jesus said this in the middle of this sermon, what would they have thought? What would the, the, the people on that hillside that were hearing him that day, what would they have thought? This is what I think they would have said. He, he said, what? what? What is he talking about? Because I think their first reaction, their first response would have been to say, I don't have treasures. I don't have treasures. I, I mentioned this Friday. I don't know if any of you looked up the word hermeneutics or if you knew what it was. Colton, Colton did you know what hermeneutics meant? Oh, I'm disappointing. Uh, you, you only went to Ozark two years. Your junior year, you would have got hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is literally just means it's the study of how to interpret. It's the study of how to interpret uh, particularly the, the Bible. And one of the first questions of of hermeneutics is this. You ask yourself, who was the author speaking to? For instance, we did the, the, the series on 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Paul wrote the letter to who? He wrote the letter to the church at Corinth. So, so that would be the answer to that question. Well, he was talking to those people first. Uh, we pointed out this before, but when Jesus teaches, when, when Scripture teaches to it, there's a, a, a specific tar, uh, target that he's talking to, but it also applies to us. So in this case, Jesus was talking Jesus was talking to the men and the women on the hillside. That was the first target. So we need to interpret this text, understand this text in the, in the light of who Jesus was talking to specifically that day, these men and women on the hillside. Now we know from chapter 4 that the people on the hillside were people from Galilee. There were people from, a few that were there from Jerusalem and Judea. There were people from the Decapolis, that's ten cities. There were also people from the, uh, the far side of the Jordan, the other side of the Jordan. So, so there was a, a group of people, predominantly they were from Galilee. There was a group of people, probably most of them were Jews, but maybe a, a few scattered in were, were Gentile. But I want you to note, note stark di- uh, contrast. Note this stark contrast between the listener on the hill and, uh, and us. When it comes to treasures, don't store up treasures on earth, he, he says to them. So when it comes to treasures, we are so far removed from the person that Jesus was talking to that day that it almost doesn't make sense to us. In, in fact, if we want to be honest, church, we have to admit that we are, we are fairly myopic. We are fairly nearsighted when it comes to this teaching so much so that we can't we we can hardly begin to understand what life was like for the ones who jesus was talking to let me let me point this out some of you uh, that are listening today have uh, have witnessed poverty Uh, i know we have some people in our church that have uh, have served in the military and you may have been posted places uh, where where there was just terrible poverty, and, and you've got to see that firsthand. Uh, some of you may maybe you've gone on a mission trip to Haiti or a mission trip to uh, uh, to Africa, and you've seen poverty. As Tory Christian Church, we have a we have a large group in our church that have gone to Mexico the last few years, and uh, God willing, we'll go again this year. But we've got a bunch of people that have gone to to Mexico, and and while Mexico may not be as bad as Haiti, may not be as bad as some places in the world. Um, one of the things that people note almost to the, the person 
when they come back from Mexico, or at least when they get down there, is they notice the poverty. Uh, the poverty is, is extreme when we go there. And it always impacts us. We, we see how they're living. We see what, what they don't have, how little they have, and it always impacts us. But, but I have led groups from three different churches, Rushville Christian, uh, Central Christian, and now here at Troy Christian. I've, I've led groups from three different churches for, for 20 plus years. And I've yet to have a single person come home from one of those trips and completely change their lifestyle to match what they, what they saw. No one has come home and sold their house and moved into a house that's four or 500 square feet. No one's done that yet. No one has sold their car and said, I, if I need to get there, I will walk or I'll take a bus like we saw in, in Mexico and you see in so many other countries. No, no, no one has has tried to survive on 50 to $60 a week. Uh, changed? Yes. Uh, impacted? Yes. But, but none of us ever choose to live that way. So, so the ones that Jesus is talking to uh, in, in this sermon on that hillside, their lives didn't look anything like ours do. So their first response, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident, their first response would have been this. I don't have treasures. What are you talking about, Jesus? Man, I'm just struggling to survive. But when Jesus continued on with their teaching, their, their thought would have changed and they would have said this. I guess I, guess I do have treasures. Jesus identifies uh, three or possibly four things that, that he wanted them to take a close, honest look at, to open their eyes, to be honest spiritually and look at and ask themselves, hey, are we, uh, are we treasuring these, this thing, these things? Now, now note the contrast. This is what I want. If you get nothing else today, note the contrast. Uh, the key to understanding what, what they would have taken, what, they were, what Jesus was talking about, is right there in the text. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, and, and note the first thing he says, where moth destroys. Where moth destroys. Uh, this is where I, I wish people were in the church so I could get a reaction here. So I'm just going to have to do it and let you guys do it. How many of you know what a, a mothball is? Now, if you're, uh, what, what the age? I guess probably if you're 30 or older or 40 or over, you know what a mothball is. Or, 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 or maybe a little bit younger, you've, you've heard of a mothball. But you've heard that term, maybe you've heard it used in a phrase somewhere, but I bet there's a lot of people in their 20s, I, I, I've heard that, but I don't really know what one is, I don't know what one looks like. Uh, I, if Lori's, I don't know if Lori Simpson's watching today, if you are, Lori, just, just post on there, does John's Market sell mothballs? I don't even know where you'd get them. I don't know, you go to Walmart, you have to go to Amazon to find mothballs. When I was growing up, uh, we'd go out to my grandma and grandpa Hartman's uh, house out to their farm and they uh, they had an upstairs. It was it was kind of two small bedrooms. They'd turn it into basically storage. But occasionally we would go up there to play. Uh, it was hard to get to because you had to go in Grandma and Grandpa's bedroom and push some stuff out of the way and open a door and go up this creaky stairway that was uh, was steep and narrow and was lined with stacks of magazines. But when you got upstairs, the the unique and distinct smell of mothballs would hit you. Now. I, I guess I don't understand mothballs, but, but people used to put them with 
clothes that they were storing so that moths wouldn't eat it. I understand. If, if, uh, I wouldn't eat something that smelled like a mothball either. Recently, Rita heard that, that snakes don't like mothballs, and she's thinking about putting mothballs in our attic so we don't get any snakes because we've had a couple before. And I'm like, I don't want to smell that. Uh, remember a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking from Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus said, if someone sues you for your tunic, give them your cloak as well. Remember, remember I made the comment that under Jewish law, you couldn't sue someone for their cloak. Their cloak was so valuable, it was so important to their livelihood. And the cloak, we don't have anything that matches it well for us, but a cloak was a, 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 an outer robe, an, an outer piece of, piece of cloth, uh, clothing. They would use it when it was cold to cover up and keep warm. But you couldn't sue someone for the cloak. It was too valuable to them. So, is, is Jesus here equating, equating treasure? Don't store up treasures in heaven where moth can destroy. Is he equating treasure with what would have been their most valued piece of clothing? this outer cloak. So for us, it, it doesn't go quite this way. For us, a coat, a jacket, a sweater, a suit jacket. Is he equating that with a treasure? As they listened that day, they would have thought, oh, I've got a cloak. My, my cloak's my most expensive piece of, of, of clothing. It's, it's valuable to me. Man, I, I love my cloak. And they would have hit that Jesus was talking about, oh, don't treasure your cloak oh i i guess i have a cloak then he says where rust destroys what what would he been would have been talking about their ford pickup with the doors rusting Uh, no that's me that has a ford pickup with doors rusting They, they didn't have that so what's he talking about when he says don't don't treasure stuff that would rust well he's not talking about gold or silver well they probably didn't have any to begin with uh but but that's not what he's talking about because it doesn't rust. So what's he talking about? He's probably talking about, see, he's talking to, again, that, that idea of, the, of hermeneutics. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people that were, by and large, farmers in the agrarian society. And, and so probably what he's talking about, catch this, he's talking about their tools, their hand tools. There, there was probably someone in the crowd that day that thought, oh, I know what he's saying. I I had this hoe that I thought and dreamed and saved money for for a year and a half. I couldn't wait till I could afford to buy that hoe. My life was going to be so much easier when I could work my ground with that brand new hoe. And, and, and so then they would say, oh, oh, yeah, I've got tools. And then he says, uh, gives another qualifier, where thieves break in and steal. Probably a couple things here. Uh, first of all, it had the idea, the Greek has the idea of digging through or, or uh burying through so uh it had the idea of someone busting through the side of your house their their houses a a lot of them would have been just mud and straw houses so it literally they they would have understood that way that jesus was saying hey don't treasure that where uh, a a mud house where someone can dig a hole in the side of it which would be a pain if someone dug a hole in the side of your house uh it their house wasn't much, but it was home, and that would be a pain if someone dug a hole in the side. They could repair it, but still it's a, a pain. But, but they also might steal what you have inside, maybe a copper pot, a, a couple pieces of pottery. Maybe that's where their hole was or their, their cloak. I, I, but, but Jesus said, don't, don't treasure that. And, and they would have thought, oh, yeah, I have a house. So 
what defines a treasure? We, we see that's what a treasure is for them, but what, what defines a treasure for us? I hope you're catching the contrast here. It's almost laughable, isn't it? It's almost laughable that Jesus would challenge them, the, these poor people on a hillside, that he would challenge them to see clearly, to, to make sure they weren't treasuring a cloak or a few tools or a small mud house over, over God. So, so what's our treasures? What's... Uh, What's our treasures? What, what, Jesus, uh, what, what would Jesus be saying to us? What would we see as a treasure? See, they had, they had cloaks, uh, but, but we have closets. Now, now we might, uh, I know a lot of people are, are uh, doing some downsizing through all this stuff. You're stuck home, so you're going through closets, and, and, and God bless you for doing that. We're, we're getting rid of some stuff, and that's great, but... But, but we might, if we had to, we might give up a closet. But if we did, we'd give up our winter closet. We couldn't give up our spring closet or our summer closet because it's spring and summer's coming. No way we could give that up. See, they had cloaks and we have closets. They had tools. They had tools, but we have toys. We, now, now some of us have tools as well. Maybe hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of tools, but, but we have, we have toys. Our, we have cars and we have, TVs and we have Netflix and computers and, and, and fill in the blank. We have so many things that make our life easier. They, they had to focus on a couple hand tools and make sure that wasn't getting between them and God. They had tools. We have toys. They had mud houses. We have mansions. Even the most humble, the most humble house, uh, for those of you listening today, even you that live in the most humble of homes is a mansion compared to the people that day. Can I get you to agree with me on this? Jesus wants us to take an honest look at what our treasures are. What would, uh, what would Jesus say to us? T- to them, he's saying, uh, uh, don't, don't treasure something that a moth would destroy or rust would destroy or someone might dig in the side of your house. What would he say to us? What are our treasures? Well, are you wanting, are you wanting to take your glasses off yet? <laughs> are you wanting to, to not see quite so clearly? Well, let, let's move on. Let's, let's change the subject here for a little bit. What, what then counts as a deposit? What, what defines a treasure? We see what it was for them, what it might be for us. What counts as a, a deposit? Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust are not destroyed, where thieves don't break in and steal. Jesus challenges them to a different way to live. And their reaction would have been this. They would have been shocked. You mean, Jesus, you're saying, you're saying that I have heaven? See, there was a lot of people on the hillside that day. There were a lot of people there that didn't have much hope and they they certainly didn't have hope, a living hope of heaven. In, in fact, as, as you listen here today, there may be some of you listening today that don't have a whole lot of hope in your life, and, and maybe you don't have a whole lot of hope in, in heaven for yourself. But, but Jesus said, and it would have it shocked them, so, so store treasures in heaven. I think they, they would have caught this. So 
I can go to heaven? Um, Sorry to say, raise your hand. I guess raise your hand at home. How many of you have been watching the 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 new series, The Last Dance? Um, if some of you are thinking, "Oh, they've got a spinoff of Dancing with the Stars," you're wrong. That's not what it is. The Last Dance is a uh, documentary about the '97 '98 season of of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and and his teammates. It started a couple weeks ago and has been on Sunday nights. Two weeks ago, Reed and I were watching this, and as we watched it. It reminded us, and I think it was 1991 or 92, uh, my, my kids can correct me on this, uh, 91 or 92, we took our boys to Chicago to see a Bulls game, and, and it was right after Christmas. In fact, their Christmas gift, they opened it up, and their gift was a, a, a ticket to Chicago and a ticket to the Bulls game, and when they opened that gift and they looked at it, they, they kind of looked at it like, am, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing, and and, and when they finally realized what it was, they were shocked. We get to go to Chicago. We get to see Michael Jordan. The, the listener's first response would have been, you mean I have a ticket to heaven? I have that promise? Uh, and, and here's their second response. I think they would have responded secondly by, say, by, by thinking, then I can make a deposit? I can, I can somehow do something with my life. I can somehow live in, in, in some type of way that I'm sending ahead. I'm, I'm sending to heaven ahead of me some type of blessing, some type of treasure. I think they would have been blown away by the idea that they could do anything that God would count worthy enough to go uh, uh, in front of them to heaven. If you had, uh, at the end of Jesus' sermon here on the mount, if you had interviewed some of the people and asked them this question, hey, Hey, what did, what, what did Jesus say that really impacted you? They, they would have said a lot of things. One of them might have said, hey, that start, uh, when, when he gave those phrases, those, uh, those beatitudes, man, that just blew me away. Someone else might have said, man, when he said that I have to love my enemies, I couldn't believe that he said that. But he said that. He also said I have to be perfect. That is wild. He said I have to turn the other cheek. I, I have to forget. They would have answered a lot of different things. But someone, several of them, probably would have said, you know what? You know what stood out? is when Jesus said that I could go to heaven. And not only that, but I could send deposits ahead. If the, if the reporter had questioned them further and asked this question, so what do you think Jesus meant? What do you think Jesus meant by making deposits in heaven or having treasures in heaven? I think they would have looked the guy right in the eye with a big old smile on their face and said, I don't have the foggiest idea. I have no idea what he's talking about. See, they would have been shocked, but... Uh, but you know what? You might be surprised. We might be surprised. What, what do these deposits or treasures look like? Now, note here, Jesus didn't really, in this sermon, flesh that out. He didn't really say, okay, this is what it is. In fact, uh, maybe except for one spot, we'll look at that here in a second. He, he didn't really even make a, a list. But what are, what are treasures what are treasures in heaven? What, what do they look like? Now, now, if I could point you to a place where you could find some of those treasures, uh, to, to what, some way to make those heavenly deposit, uh, deposits, if I could show you where you could figure out what Jesus was talking about, if I could point you to something that you could read that would inform you of what he's talking about on how to deposit things in heaven, would you be interested in knowing where that was? 
Now, I hope the answer is yes. If it's no, then I'm not really sure why you're still watching, but hey, hang in there with me. Uh, man, I would. I want to, how do I make deposits in heaven? If that's what I'm supposed to do, and I certainly want to, Jesus is going to build me a mansion. I want that mansion to be pretty cool. So if, if I'm going to make deposits in heaven, how do I know where they are? Well, you know, all you have to do is look in your Bible, particularly in the New Testament. See, Jesus never sits down and, in one sermon. It would have been cool if he would have, if he just sat down in one sermon and say, okay, deposits in heaven, you need to do this, 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 and this. You do that, you'll have treasure in heaven. He didn't really do that. In, in fact, really, we, we see it in the, the, the accumulation of what Jesus taught. And, and then as the, the epistles and, and uh, history of the church is presented in the rest of the New Testament after the Gospels, we see them talking about what it means for us to, 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 to do those treasures. See, it's things like what Jesus said when he said this, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So every time we serve, every time we look past ourselves and our needs and serve someone, we're making deposits in heaven. If any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Every time we we put ourselves second place to Jesus. We deny ourselves. We put on the mantle of living and looking like Jesus. Every time we do that, we're making a deposit in heaven. Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first. When, when we understand the, the order uh, and the priority of things that we are to consider others better than ourselves, uh, every time we do that, we get that right, we're making a deposit in heaven. Every time we have a heart like Jesus. John 11 tells us that Jesus wept. Every time we have compassion like Jesus, we weep with someone who weeps, we mourn with someone who mourns, we, we rejoice with someone who rejoices. Every time our, our heart is moved by the people we're around, we're making a deposit in heaven. A new command I give you, Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. One another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you, if you love one another. When we have agape love, we spend a long time talking about that, love that is selfless and, and, and isn't about what I can get, get, but what I can give. When we practice Jesus' love, we make a deposit in heaven. And, and probably the closest thing to a list is, is this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must, or excuse me, let me read the right one. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Every time we do something that is is not me-centered but is Christ-centered, every time we let Jesus motivate and move us to act, it's a deposit in heaven. See, it's hard, it's hard to have the heart of Jesus when we're holding on to earthly treasures. When we're holding on to what this world has for us, it's hard for us to, to give like Jesus. They get in the way. Treasures are when we live like Jesus. A- another way that we store up treasures in heaven is to trust God with our treasures here. Some of you probably saw this text. You think, I, I bet I know where he's going. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm here now. And I, I bring it up only because Jesus brought it up. If Jesus hadn't talked about it, I guarantee you I wouldn't be talking about it today. But, but Jesus brings this up. So, hey, let's talk about it because Jesus 
even to this group of people on the hillside that didn't have much, Jesus talked about, about physical treasure, about finances, about money. Now, uh, I, I, I want you to see that Jesus in Scripture basically offers us three teaching, uh, teachings about giving. The first one we actually find in Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 4, I'm not going to read that, but Jesus says that when we give, we need to give with the right motive. We, we need to give not so people see us and pat us on the back. We need to give anonymously, basically. Sometimes when you give, you, people are going to know that. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus talked about motive. For instance, if someone decided to donate a million dollars to our church so we could build our new sanctuary, uh, but, but they wanted recognition for that. They wanted someone to stand up and say, thank you, uh, Bill Jones. I hope there's not a Bill Jones watching today. Thank you, Bill Jones, for donating that million dollars. As far as I'm concerned, we'd, we'd take the money and build the building. But their, their reward was that. Jesus says that reward doesn't go on to heaven. They, that, that is not a treasure in heaven. Uh, if you do it so people pat you on the back, you've lost your reward. So, so Jesus' teaching is when we give, don't do it so people pat you on the back. Do it uh, because your, your heart has been led to do it. Jesus also says that we need to give generously. In, uh, in Mark chapter 12, verses 43 and 44. It's kind of the culmination of a story. Jesus saw some religious leaders that were throwing their money into the temple treasury. And as they were doing it, they were throwing these coins in and it was a, a, a brass tube and it was making all this racket. And, and then this, this little old widow lady walked up and she put in two mites or two, uh, two copper coins or two pennies, basically. She put in just two pennies. Uh, and, and thank you whoever put two pennies in one of our offering boxes. Uh, thank you for that donation. If that's all you had, God bless you. Uh, but, but, but she put in two pennies. And Jesus said uh, there in Mark chapter 12, uh, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Jesus calls us to give generously, not, not out of our wealth, but out of our poverty. Jesus Jesus calls us to, to not give what we can afford, but he calls us to give more than you think you can afford. And then finally, and you may agree or disagree with me on this one, and, and that's fine. Uh, as my professor uh, Fields used to say, you can be wrong if you want to. Uh, uh, I think Jesus teaches us that we need to give more than a tithe. Now, if you're not a part of Troy Christian Church, you can just tune out here for a little bit. If, if you want to listen, go ahead and listen. Uh, it's, it's biblical teaching, so that's fine. But, uh, but really, I'm just speaking to our church people here, to people that call this church home. In the church, oftentimes, we debate whether we're supposed to follow the Old Testament mandate of a, a, a 10% tithe. In the Old Testament, you were, it was called the gift or the, uh, the, the, the teaching of the first fruits. You were to give the first 10% of everything you got. So when you've harvested a crop, the first 10% went to God, and then the rest of it you dealt with and used for food or sold for, 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 uh, for money for your family. So, so the, the teaching of the, the first fruit. So the Old Testament teaching is that you give a literal 10% of your income. That actually, we can debate again whether that's net or gross or what, but, but uh, I, I think it's you get, t- you get $10, you give a dollar. That's the Old Testament teaching. So in the, in the New Testament church, we debate back and forth. Well, we're not under the Old Testament. Does that really apply to us? And Well, here's what I think Jesus teaches. I think Jesus teaches us that we, are, that we need to give more. 
notice in this whole sermon, did Jesus ever lower a bar? Did Jesus ever ask us to do less than what was expected under religious teaching? No. He always was raising the bar, always asking us to trust God so much that we do more. Um, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus was uh, speaking to the Pharisees, and he wasn't saying uh, uh, nice things. He was calling them out for their hypocrisy. Uh, and one of the things he said was, you guys, uh, you guys tithe down to the smallest seed. And he said, uh, basically ended up saying, you know, you, you, you should do that, but you're also neglecting the, the, the important things like ju- ju- uh, mercy and, and justice and compassion. You're forgetting those things. He said, you should have done the first and not forgot the second. So Jesus basically saying, hey, your tithe is right. You still should do that. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus raising the bar. I think, this is Tim speaking here, I think Jesus teaching on giving is that he expects us to trust God so much. He expects us to put our glasses on and take a good, hard, honest look at what we treasure and say, you know what, you need to do more than what was expected and asked of you in the Old Testament. Let me, let me close with just a couple thoughts. First of all, just, just so we know, uh, as a church, as, as a body of believers here at Troy Christian Church, we as a church not only tithe, but we give more than a tithe. So right now it's 14% of every dollar that comes in. Come July, it'll be 15%. And I, and I don't say this to brag. I'm just saying that make sure everyone understands this, that I'm not going to teach you something that, that, that personally myself won't do as, and our church doesn't do. Um, as, as a church, we give, we give uh, $14 of every $100 we get goes back out, uh, whether it's to missionaries or to Bible colleges or to individuals or ministry or service of some sort. Uh, it, it doesn't pay salaries. It doesn't pay bills. It doesn't, it doesn't pay for air conditioning or padded pews. Uh, it, every dime that, or, uh, every 14% of what we get, 15% in July, goes out somewhere else. So we, we as a church believe in this idea that we're to give. Church, again, speaking just of Tory Christian Church, and then I'll, I'll move on. Uh, if, if we would just trust God with our money, we've, we've dreamed for years about building a new sanctuary. If our church just gave a biblical tithe, we could, we could, uh, we could start digging tomorrow. That's just the truth. Uh, but don't miss the point. I, I don't want you to think I'm, I'm going too far one direction. Don't miss the point. Uh, we need to make all types of deposits in heaven. If, if you're giving 10% of your income, but, but someone sins against you and you don't forgive them, hey, you're missing the point. If, if you give 10% of your income and you don't have compassion, man, you're missing the point. If you give 10% and you don't, you don't give up your time to serve, then you're missing the point. If you give 10% and you don't use the gifts that God has given you for his kingdom, if God's given you the gift of teaching and you're not teaching, if God's given you the gift of music and you're not using that, if God's given you the gift of leadership and you're holding back, then you're missing the point. God wants us to make all types of deposits in heaven. So he defines the treasure. He counts. We talked about what counts as a deposit and, and just 
Last thing, it takes one minute to finish this. What dictates our devo- devotion? Verse 20, 21 says, it's where your heart is. For where your heart, uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your heart? And where's your hope? No one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. What have you put your hope in? No sermon in this series will cause, I, I, I would guess, has caused a bigger response by us. Maybe, I think definitely more so than the original hearers, has caused more of a response of, he said what? He said what? He said what? I don't think any sermon has said that as much as this one. Because if Jesus asked some people on a hillside who virtually had nothing, if he asked them to take a close look at their heart and question whether or not they were treasuring their things, their cloak, a couple hand tools, and a mud hut, if he asked them to to look at their hearts and say, are you treasuring those more than you're trusting me? What? What must he be saying to us? He said, what? I guess I need to see. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you for uh, teaching in your word that lifts our spirits, that encourages us, that brightens our day, that gives us uh, a smile on our face. And Father, we thank you for teaching that's tough. We thank you for teaching that challenges our heart and makes us think and and, and, and challenges the way we, we're doing life. Father, we, we thank you today that, that we have the, the hope and the promise of heaven. Father, you blessed us so much with so, so many things. And Father, we just give you praise for that today. But Father, help us. As you were challenging those on the hillside, help us take an honest look at, at what we treasure in this world and what we treasure in our lives and be willing to trust you with that. Father, we thank you that we can send ahead uh, deposits. We can love our neighbor and de- make a deposit in heaven. We can forgive someone that sins against us and make a deposit. Father, we can use our gifts like, like our worship team did today and make a deposit. Father, we can teach and make a deposit. There, there's so many things when we have the heart of Jesus that's making a deposit. Father, Father, help us be about deposit making uh, in our, our, uh, our heavenly treasures. We thank you. Uh, for your son's work in our life. Father, help us be like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching again this morning. We'll be here again next Sunday. Hopefully in the next few weeks, we might uh, eventually get to, to be back in, uh, in, in church. Don't forget tonight, 5 o'clock here at the church. Be sure to come. If you've got someone you can take a meal to, drop by, pick up a meal for them. Uh, we've got hamburgers, hot dogs, uh, potato chips, cookies, and some fruit tonight. We've added that. So come tonight five to six. We'd love to see you. Remember that God is still God and he's in control.